Welcome to Working From Home and Living to Tell About It, the podcast that brings together old pros with a custom home office, newbies working on a laptop from their couch, and those thinking about taking the leap to working from home. Hear real stories of challenges, struggles, and successes from those who live the work-from-home lifestyle. And along the way, pick up great tips, advice, and life hacks to make working from home both fun and productive. Now, here's your host, nationally recognized technology expert and longtime working-from-home professional, Marcel Brown. Welcome back to another episode of Working From Home and Living to Tell About It. I am your host, Marcel Brown, the most trusted name in technology. Today I have with me Jeffrey Kent. He is the founder and CEO of Think Big with Jeffrey Kent. And he is a serial entrepreneur having launched 20 plus ventures over the last five decades. And he's got a a MBA from the Wharton School and currently is a mentor, author, coach, of Think Big with Jeffrey Kent, where he helps businesses uh, scale exponentially. So welcome, Jeffrey. Thank you. Thank you, for, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So over five decades, you've done a lot of work um, building a lot of businesses, as, as you um, as you have uh, mentioned to me. So being that this is a working from home podcast, from what I understand, you said uh, you've been working from home for about the last decade. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, okay. I sold my last venture a decade ago, and mm-hmm. uh, um, that was a uh, cloud computing technology business. Mm. Uh, once I um, sold that business, I, I, <laughs> I thought I would retire, but uh, but I was a little too young to do that. So so I um, I just basically started consulting to um, primarily tech tech ventures. Okay. Uh, and um and then covid came and and that, that stopped that but but uh um you know and it got kind of got me to doing what i do now which is you know laying down the model that i used to scale my cloud computing business and guiding other entrepreneurs through the process of doing what i did which is you know, starting from scratch, scaling to an exit so that you can move on and do whatever it is you want to do post venture. That sounds fascinating. We'll get more into that here shortly, but let's talk about your working from home experience. So prior to this last decade that you were semi-retired and, and then home and then starting your, your, your new business, um, did you have any work from home experience? Um, prior to this, no, no, I, I, uh, everything I was doing, I was working in an office. So, uh, you know, I, I was mm-hmm. familiar with the technology, but, um, you know, so I, I, you know, knew about zoom and all these different types of, of tools that were available for, you know, to make it easier to work from home or to re- work remotely. But, um, you know, I, 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 I joke with entrepreneurs now because, you know, people people say, hey, yeah, I love Zoom and whatever, you know, it makes it so easy. I don't even want to go back to the office. I'm like, you guys realize this technology has been available for literally decades, you know. Yeah. And when I had a, a tech firm, we couldn't give this stuff away, mm-hmm. you know. No one wanted to use it. But then, then you know, you, you COVID came and, and you couldn't get out and interact with people and, and you know, but you had to still do business. So, you know, all of a sudden people, you know, I guess begrudgingly uh, uh, use the technology. And then once they saw what it was, they're like, oh, my God, this is the best thing since sliced bread. You know, absolutely. Yeah. You 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 bring up a good point, And that is that technology 
makes working from home very much possible in one way, shape, or, or form. Uh, and also the fact that you were familiar with technology helped you in your working from home uh, journey. And so that is, I think, a good point that other uh, guests that we've talked about before is be familiar, plan for, and take advantage of the technology to make your work from home experience as uh, as most as productive and effective as possible, pleasant as yeah. possible as well. So basically, you said you sold your last venture and then you were right. planning on retiring. Right. So tell us how you transitioned into then starting another venture and working from home and kind of how that progressed for you, how that that uh, evolved. Yeah, well, well, as I said, once I sold the venture, and that was in 2013, um, you know, I, I was just too young to retire. I thought I would retire and, mm-hmm. and just spend time with my daughters, but but uh, I enjoyed spending time with my daughters. But I, I you know, I, I realized I was way too young to to not do anything. So um, I, you know, had lots of um, you know former associates in the in the technology field that had businesses that would reach out to me for for advice um and then several of them reached out and said hey we'd we'd love to you know cut contract you out to help us out and so i i started doing you know consulting and i was i was going on on site doing that for for quite a while and then as i said COVID hit in 2020 and all of those contracts dried up because i couldn't you know i couldn't go to their offices anymore Mm-hmm. And um, so I actually used the time. I, I, I had a, um, a conversation. I, I had lunch with a friend who's a, who's, a, um, who's a business coach. He wasn't my business coach, but he's a business coach. And while we're having lunch, you know, he asked me, you know, Jeff, when, when you die, what do you want your legacy to be? I'm, I'm like, mm-hmm. that's an incredibly morbid question to ask me at lunch, but you know, uh, you know, he was a good friend. I wanted to be, I wanted to be serious about my answer to him. So, and I, you know, I'm thinking about all this stuff and kind of really quickly, but um, I started thinking about my daughters uh, and, and they were, you know, probably like 10 and 14 at the time. And, um, and I started thinking about, you know, you know, how could I leverage my God given gifts to make an impact, a positive impact on the world to make the world a better place for them. Right. So, you mm-hmm. know, it, it, I realized, I had realized early in my career that God put me on earth to be an entrepreneur. So, so I knew that, you know, that was my gift. Okay. But, but then it's, you know, how do, how do you leverage entrepreneurship to, to positively change the world? And, and as I started doing lots of reading, I, I've always read a lot, a lot anyway, but I, I started coming across different articles that, that just kind of, you know, put a lot of things in, 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 you know, made a lot of things make sense for me. So I read this one article that said, you know, it's a, it was an economic article and said all net job creation in the last 35 years globally um, has come from businesses less than five years old. So I'm like, oh, hmm. okay, that's, that's interesting. Small businesses are creating all the jobs. Then I come across a psychological article that says, we all suffer from implicit bias. So we tend to hire in our, in our own self-image. So I'm like, hmm, that's interesting, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and then I just start reading about I, I kind of put those two things together and and then started reading about um, issues that, you know, bothered me like poverty, crime and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, an article that I read said, you know, and uh, of the eight billion person population on Earth. 7.1% of the population lives below the, po- you know, the poverty lo- level. And, um, 
you know, so I'm like, okay, well, that's interesting. And now my mind's putting all these things together. And, 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 and so I said, wow, I actually think entrepreneurship could solve global poverty. I started looking at, um, you know, how much, particularly in this country, how much we spend to help people who are living below the federal poverty level. You know, so what, the, the, what really stuck out to me was, so the federal poverty level for a single individuals is a little over $14,000 a year in earnings. However, when someone falls below that level and they, they qualify for all these benefits, we as a country actually spend over $28,000 on services mm -hmm. to, to make sure that, you know, they have a, a roof over their head, clothes on their back, food in their stomach, and and the transportation to get to to and from, you know, or, or looking for work, you know, until mm -hmm. they find a job. And so I'm like, well, that that's interesting. We 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 qualify someone as poor if they're making fourteen thousand, but we spend twenty eight thousand supporting them. So we actually realize that it costs twenty eight thousand to to survive, but we don't consider them poor unless they're making less than 14,000. So I, now I understand what's wrong with the system. If, if why would you earn between 14 and 28,000 knowing that you're not going to be able to get any aid? We don't have graduated aid. It's you either get it or you don't, right? So, you know, if you, if you can't get a job making at least 28,000 a year, you're, the incentive is for you not to work at all, right? So that you can get 28,000 in aid. Mm -hmm. And so then, you know, again, I'm, I'm thinking about entrepreneurship. I'm like, okay, well, um, with all these programs, we spend literally in this country half a trillion dollars a year on, on all these different programs. And so I, I said, well, wait a minute. What if we took $500 billion that we spend every year on these programs and split this up into tranches of $1 million of investment? And then we identified 500,000 entrepreneurs that we could give this million dollars of investment to their businesses, coupled with training to help them figure out how to scale exponentially to, to at least 10 million in annual revenues, right? So the average business is going to employ 10 people per million dollars in annual revenue. So now you basically got 500,000 entrepreneurs who you're going to help figure out how to scale so that they can create 100 jobs. So if you're doing that with 500,000 businesses, you're creating 50 million jobs. My guess mm -hmm. is, you know, those jobs are going to create, going to pay meaningful wages, definitely more than $14 an hour or the 28,000 that, mm -hmm. you know, it takes to actually survive and, you know, in, in this world. And, um, and so I'm like, okay, well, that, you know, that, that, the interesting thing is the number of people that are living below the federal poverty level in this country is 43 million people. So by doing what I just explained, not only would we eradicate poverty in one fell swoop, we'd still have an incremental five, uh, 7 million jobs, right? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so that, that's basically what, what what's driven me to do what I do, you know, now it's, it's, you know, I, I'm trying to create a, a global community of of five million entrepreneurs who, uh, you know, through you know my insight, I can help scale to ten million in annual revenue so that they can employ a hundred people. And you know, oh by the way, I mean, when 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 you decide you're going to launch an entrepreneurial venture, 
you know, part of what made you make that decision, let's say you had a job and you left that job, whatever, it doesn't matter what the circumstances were, but you left that job. One of the reasons mm-hmm. you may have left could have been because you didn't want to commute one hour each way to the job, right? Right. So if you decide, okay, I'm quitting my job, I'm going to start a business, you're not going to set a business up an hour away from your house. You're going to, you're more than likely going to create that business in your community. And because we all suffer from implicit biases, as, as the studies say, you're going to hire people in your community. So if the 500,000 entrepreneurs we identify come from communities disproportionately, you know, uh, uh, that suffer disproportionately bought from poverty, unemployment, crime, you know, and, and we can create entrepreneurs who can create, you know, 100 jobs each, you know, every single job they create has an indelible impact on resolving, you know, poverty, unemployment and crime in the community. Right. Absolutely. So that, that That's that's what I do. Yeah. And I, I agree that ultimately, you know, my, my own personal theories is it are include the, the fact that wealth is created by people, right? by entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And certainly combined with what you were talking about is most growth is in the small businesses, not right. the big corporations, it's, a, it's yep. the small businesses. Right. And a lot of the, the biggest problems are it, it's hard to start a business when you don't have the funding or have difficulty getting the funding side note. Also it's, you know, understanding how to run a business and all that sort of thing. But a lot of the times you can, you can get all that together yeah. in, in effect is like understand, get the education so right. that you can get the funding, yeah. which I think we'll talk more about your business in particular, but that sounds kind of what you, you do along with helping companies scale exponentially so so anyway so you've you did all that and you found yourself in your calling and of course instead of creating going and creating a brick and mortar you started just using your home office where you were at already is that does that sound about right yeah yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. so so again once we locked down as as a nation and and as a as you know as a world with covid um you know, not being able to get out, but still have having to, you know, mm-hmm. create an income stream. It's like, okay, what do you do? Well, yeah, obviously you work from home, right? Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, for me, I didn't have a business. I had to create a business. Um, I, you know, I was a consultant that dried up, you know, with COVID. I couldn't get to a client site, um, but I still have, you know, I still have my brain. So, so I can still mm-hmm. offer services to, to, to entrepreneurs. Uh, and, and, you know, then it, then it became, you know, as, as, what really drove um, what I'm doing now came actually from entrepreneurs. So I, 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 every single day I talk to entrepreneurs who will ask me questions about my cloud computing company. How did you do this? How did you do that? And, um, and, and every conversation ends the same. It's like, Jeff, you have way too much knowledge in your brain. You need to share that knowledge, right? Um, why don't you write a book? So fortunately, I have a friend who's in the publishing industry. I started writing a book. My friend begins to introduce me to people in his ecosystem. He introduces me to a company based in Seattle, Washington, and it takes author content and converts it into online, online coursework. So the, mm-hmm. the the CEO of that, that organization, once I started working with her, she's like, stop writing your book. You know, mm-hmm. young people don't like to read. They, they have to be entertained with videos. Create this online course. No, by the way, 
you'll end up writing your book, book anyway, because you're narrating your course. You have to write all the text for your narration. You know, chances are by the time you're done, you're going to have a book. Yeah, she was absolutely right. So, so I made that pivot in 2021. Um, then had a focus group take my course in the first quarter of last year. Uh, the feedback I got was, you know, we love the course. Um, you know, any entrepreneur could use the course, um, but no one knows who you are. <laughs> you need to work mm-hmm. on personal branding. You know, I'm an old guy, so I'm like, I don't, I really don't know what you're talking about. So, mm-hmm. I started re- researching personal branding and what you know, how do you do this? You know, and uh, everything I was reading was telling me, you know, create content and distribute it on social media. So um, I started doing that. And um, I found this site called Quora.com that is a question and answer site. And, Mm -hmm. you know, reached out and said, send me everything you got on, you know, entrepreneurship, small business and startups. And, uh, you know, last year I, I started just fielding questions every day and, you know, answered probably well more than 500 questions over the course of the year um so i i started repurposing that i, I actually just released my first ebook um uh, last month on amazon um just based on like the 10 thing 10 questions that i've answered that people you know are have been most engaged with but uh but yeah mm-hmm. I, I um you know in terms of working from home you know once i created the course you know, this just made sense to work from home. There's no need for me to physically be in front of someone. And, and, um, and then for me again, you know, my youngest has one, one year of college left, you know, mm-hmm. and I tell my daughters affectionately when, when, when the youngest is, is done, I'm done, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so, uh, so I, I would like to, you know, find a way to continue at it, to have, you know, some income, but not to have to, you know, be physically in front of people all of the time in order to get that income and, 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 you know, working from home, having an online course, you know, getting out publicly speaking every now and then, you know, seems to be kind of the ideal thing, you know, creating vehicles like an ebook. Um, I'm actually looking at completing the book I started, um, um, you know, but, but basically becoming an author. I mean, these are all ways that these are the, all of these avenues I can do, you know, e- even speaking. I mean, I, I, I probably speak once a week now, um, mm-hmm. but virtually all of these speeches I do virtually on a platform like Zoom, you know, um, yeah. I, I do some, I, I was in Detroit speaking in March, but that that's the only, you know, face-to-face speaking event I've had to do this year. Yeah. And and you make a good point because we're doing this podcast interview over Zoom, and so the right. technology. I'm doing it from home. I assume you're from home as well. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So we're both both working from home entrepreneurs doing a creating a podcast episode. You know, so you, right. there are a lot of things that uh, entrepreneurs can do, um, and anyone that's working home or remotely, you can right. with the right technology, the right yeah. setup, you know, the right knowledge. That's key. Yeah. Is yeah you can do so much from home because the technology is mobile and right, with right. cloud computing, your blast company, you know, a lot of that, a lot of the services in cloud help uh, make that possible. So, so if anything, so far, there's definitely been a, a tech centric episode talking about, um, you know, having the right technology for working from home. Right, and right. I think that's, that's one of the key lessons we all should take away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I think you have to have the right technology. That's that's key. 
Um, I think you also need to, and you, you were talking about environment, you, you have to you have to create an office-like environment within your home if you're going to work from home, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, because it, particularly if you're trying to do business with other people, you have to look professional, right? So so right. you have to create an office-like setting so that, you know, because people are, are looking at what's in your background, right? Um, you know, those, those, those two things are, are critical. And then <clears throat> you, have, you have to make sure that the environment is, is absent of distraction, so, you know, if you're at home and, and you have young children or, you know, spouses or whatever, just let them know that, you know, hey, the, the, you know, uh, my office hours are, you know, from this time to this time, I'm going to be in my office. I'm going to be, you know, I may be on Zoom calls and, you know, so whatever. You guys have to understand that. So, you know, if you need me, you know, maybe, you know, I, I always silence my phone, but, you know, if I keep it with me, so if someone texts me, I'll see it, you know, it's going to pop up and, mm-hmm. I'm like, text me. And that way I know you need me. And, and then I can open the door, you know, whatever the case may be, but you've got to figure out, you know, what, what are those ground rules so that you can mimic working in an office as much as possible so that you can create as, as professional of an environment as possible and an environment that allows you to work at your maximum capacity. All great advice and similar to the things I've heard before. And it's, especially with kids, it's kind of like, how do you minimize the distractions? Cause they are kids are kids, of course. But, uh, but yeah, I think your, your concept is sound. You got to have everybody on board to say, yes, I'm home, but that right. doesn't mean I'm at your beck and call necessarily. I am working. And so we work out a schedule, a routine of, you know, this is when I'm going to try to work. This is when my free time is. And if you need something, yeah, get a hold of me in the way that isn't going to interrupt a meeting or a phone call or even recording a video that you're working on, you know, that's can, that can really mess you up. So right, right. great ideas. So let's talk a little bit about your business. So thinking big or think big with Jeffrey Kent, you're trying to educate uh, entrepreneurs how to uh, exponentially grow their business. One of the things you mentioned was that you help entrepreneurs build fundable plans so mm-hmm. that they can get the money they need to grow their business. Right. Now, in this day and age of working from home, how would you say, you know, what are some some ideas entrepreneurs need to keep in mind that if they're going to start a business and they themselves are working from home, mm-hmm. or especially if they're going to try to start a business where working from home and remote work is going to be a, a part and parcel of their company culture, what specific maybe challenges or tips and tricks can you share that would help entrepreneurs can maintain, make sure that they are able to get the funding without necessarily running into that stigma of, you know, you, Oh, you're not a real business if people are working from home or remotely or whatever. So if you want to elaborate on that, please go ahead. Right. Well, you know, I, I, I don't think an investor is going to think negatively about a business if it's, you know, operated from home versus having a brick and mortar office space, you know, an investor is interested in making money, right? So at the end of the day, you've got to show an investor that they can make money on, you know, so you're creating a pitch deck and your pitch deck is is in essence um, describing the deal you have, right? Or the deal you want, Um, Mm -hmm. but your deal has to show an investor how they're going to make money in the way they want to make money. You know, that's the only way to get money from an investor. So, um, but prior to, prior to that, 
what I would, the, the piece of advice I would give an entrepreneur is one, um, write a business plan, you mm-hmm. know, uh, and write your own business plan. Um, you may get some guidance from it. So you could work with people to guide you through the process of writing a business plan. But I always tell entrepreneurs, write your own plan. Because at the end of the day, when you try to get funding, you are going to have to defend your plan. And if you haven't written it, you will not understand it, you know, mm-hmm. and you won't be able to articulate to someone else what is on that paper, right? So you ha- absolutely have to write your own plan. That That's the first thing. And and also understand, you know, I mean, it, it's, it takes a while and it's a laborious process, but business plans can serve one of two purposes uh, uh, and it could serve both, but you're either writing a business plan to figure out how to operate your business and get from start to exit, or um, you're using it to raise capital and hopefully you're using it for both. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, um, you know, it's, it's, I liken it to, you know, back in the days and all this is online now, but there used to be a company called Chilton who, uh, who made uh, manuals to, repair cars. Right. Mm, right. So, so if you think of, you know, your business plan as a Chilton manual and, and your business is a, is a car, you know, you've got this manual that will tell you here's, here are all the elements of the car. If something goes wrong, here's how you fix it. You know, what mm-hmm. could potentially go wrong and, you know, all these things, that's what the business plan really is, is serves the purpose of you want to, you want to not only, create your roadmap for success, but you want to anticipate problems before they happen and figure out how would I potentially solve this problem if it were to occur. All of that gets baked into the business plan. Um, and then the, the 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 second thing I would um, tell people to do is um, try to self-finance if you can, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as, as lo- For as long as you can. Um, uh, because early on you're, you're in horrible negotiating position when you're looking for capital, right? Um, because you don't have, you know, you, you may not have the revenues that you want. You may not be profitable. And so you're, you're at the, the whim of, of the investor, right? Mm-hmm. When you're in those scenarios, but when, if you wait until, you know, and so it's, it's crazy. And actually it's easier to get money when you don't need it. Right. So, right. If you, if you wait until, if you focus on, you know, I need to generate revenue, as much revenue as I can, as quickly as possible. I need to get as profitable as quickly as possible, you know, um, and I need the, the profitability to be as high as, as possible um, and, and, and hopefully way above the industry metrics for my industry. And then now you're in a, a really, really good negotiating position when you're, when you're talking to investors. So, so, you know, that, that's another thing I would, I would tell entrepreneurs to do. Um, And then, you know, the greatest reason that um, I see entrepreneurs not getting investment is they don't understand who investors are, you know, and, and, and it's a really broad group of people, right. Mm -hmm. Um, They all have different motives for why they invest, but you need to understand who they are. Uh, And so the business plan is going to help you understand the deal that you have, how much capital you need, how, when you're going to be able to return the, the, the capital, you know, that, that you borrow or, or 
you know, someone invests into your business, what rate of return you can give them based on how you're looking to grow your business and over what period of time. Um, so that, that basically is your deal. I need X amount of dollars. I can return it at this point in time and I can return it at this rate of return. That then tells you who you should be talking to, right? So give a case in point, you know, I might talk to an, an entrepreneur who says, you know, Jeff, I can't get any money. Okay, how much money are you looking to raise? I've been trying to get a million dollars. Okay, well, what, when, when are you going to be able to return the, the money to the investor? Uh, I'm thinking probably in like 10 years. Okay, and what rate of return are you going to give them? Uh, I'm thinking like 5% annual. Okay, who are you talking to? Well, I've been, uh, I've been, you know, talking to venture capitalists and they, they, they don't seem to be interested in my deal. Well, it's because venture capitalists don't, don't do those types of deals. You should mm -hmm. be talking to a commercial bank. Venture capitalists want 10 to times return on their investment within five to seven years. If you're not, if that, that's not your deal, why are you talking to a venture capitalist? But it, it's, it's those nuances that entrepreneurs don't understand because they don't understand the financial service and, and investment industry. And so a lot of times it's not that they have bad deals. It's that the deal is what it is. It's just that the deal is being presented to someone who's not, you know, inclined to do the the, the deal that you have. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's more about what kind of a deal do I have? Who should I be in front of? And if I, if those two things are aligned, more than likely you're going to get the money. Very yeah. good. Yeah. And that's, that's some great insight. And I think, um, you know, the key takeaway I, I, got from a couple of key takeaways but number one is investors especially in this day and age aren't going to care how your business is structured as far as how people are working from home or remotely or not right. they just want to get a return on their investment so by making a good business plan you can pro possibly show some great things as far as um being able to save capital and money on uh brick and mortar offices and that sort of thing if you have a remote workforce and so that may help you secure you know a big point in your favor there right. um and and then get in front of the right people and yeah. that and what i was going to say is is that uh, you've got um uh, a checklist for our listeners uh how to the checklist to scale exponential growth and so i think right. i'm going to guess that there's these types of ideas plus a lot more in that checklist yeah, yeah. Well, the the, the checklist is, is really just, it's a two-page document that when I launched my cloud computing company, so I, so I did something a little different. I, I, so I, my, my MBA from the Wharton School uh, is, was then actually entrepreneurial management. And so I had the, was fortunate enough to have, have taken five classes in entrepreneurship from five different professors. So before I launched the venture, I actually went back to campus, sat down with my five professors and said, you know, I, I literally have one question for you. It's, it's mm -hmm. like, you know, if, if you were to give me a piece of advice that if I implemented it would maximize the probability I'd succeed in this venture, what would that advice be? And mm -hmm. so I got, I had five incredible conversations you know, each of them gave me a, a list of books they wanted me to read about scaling growth. I read all the books. By the time I finished the last book, I'm like, you know, it's like I'm reading the same book over and over and over again. You know, yeah. uh, successful entrepreneurs say they do the same things to fuel success, right? So I jotted these things down. I came up with six concepts that I, I kept uh, hearing repeatedly. 
Uh, and so my, my goal was, okay, we're going to launch this business. I'm going to infuse these six traits into the business and see what happens. Well, to my surprise, everything worked. Now I, you know, I launch a business with two co-founders. We pull together $2,000. We're, we're operating in 200 square foot loft of a friend's townhouse, you know, and six years later, you know, uh, we sell the business, right? Because we've we've created one of the fastest growing companies in the country, you know, and um, and that was like I said a decade ago. But um, um, so as I you know I mentioned that entrepreneurs are constantly reaching out to me asking me questions about that venture, and so what I'm always telling them are you know about these six concepts, right? That 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 I that I learned from all the, all this reading and these conversations with the professors. So the checklist really tells you what these six things are. You know, the first first concept is, you know, I won't go through all of them, but the first concept is successful entrepreneurs, and this is why they're so happy when you when you when you when you actually meet one and talk to them, you know, mm-hmm. they figure out they take the time to figure out what they're passionate about and they they build businesses around their passions. It's really that's, that simple. Yeah, that's great you advice know. there. So, you know, that that's so the 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 checklist kind of tells you what are these things. I, I give you a little little bit of insight as to how you might try to implement this on your own. Uh, but it but it's covering these things at kind of the twenty thousand foot level. Oh, that's great. Great to hear. And I'm gonna I perused the checklist. I didn't actually do it myself. Um yeah. but uh I, I definitely will now because hey, you took all this experience, all this knowledge that you have and put it down, you know, put it into the six concepts. I'm very interested to go through those six concepts. So, um, so it's been a great interview, Jeff, you've are just a fountain of knowledge and information, and I definitely want to stay in touch and, and talk to you more in the future before we wrap up. Is there any last piece of advice or, or information you'd like to, to share with the audience? Um, I, I, I would just uh, tell entrepreneurs, find um, someone who can be a guide, mentor, uh, and, and you know, try to, you know, get as close to them as possible, learn as much as you can. Uh, hopefully that person has already accomplished what you want to accomplish. Um, I go back to, uh, there's a saying, I'll butcher this saying, but um, I know Warren Buffett has repeated it. I think Jim Rohn uh, came up with the, with the saying, and but it's, that you are uh, the average of the five people you spend the most time around, you know? And so I translate that for an entrepreneur into, if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, find five successful entrepreneurs and spend all of your time around them, um, learn what they do and do what they do. And you will experience what they've experienced. That's great. Great piece of advice. And uh, again, this was a great, great episode. And I'm, uh, Happy to share the checklist. The the checklist to scale exponential growth will be in the show notes. And so, uh, and all of Jeffrey's information will be there as well. So Jeffrey, thanks again for being on. Thank you for having me. All right. So this has been another episode of Working From Home and Living to Tell About It. Please do uh, go to your favorite podcast platform. Make sure you're subscribed or follow the, the podcast and uh, share and review all your reviews definitely help people find the podcast and we and we want to help all the uh, in-home entrepreneurs and people working from home and remotely uh, find people like Jeffrey and, and be able to take advantage of their knowledge so once again I am Marcel Brown the most trusted name in technology keep on working from home and living to tell about it another episode will be coming soon 
Thank you for listening to the Working From Home and Living to Tell About It podcast with Marcel Brown. For more information about the episode you just listened to, visit workingfromhomepodcast.com. Please subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and share this podcast with your friends and family who work from home. See you on the next episode of Working From Home and Living to Tell About It.